Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in to today's show. If you would, wherever you're listening to this podcast or watching the video, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. I'd love to engage with you. We want to keep the conversation going when it comes to building better men together. Uh, the man on the podcast today has been in my life for a, a great number of years as a, a life coach, mentor, a friend, and just a, a, a man of the faith. And so at this time, I want to introduce Dean Troon to the podcast. Dean, thanks for taking time and being on today's show. Wow, thanks for asking. This is a great topic. Well, Dean, uh, before we get into our conversation today, would you just kind of introduce yourself, your heart, and what it, what it is you do right now? Okay. Uh, I, when I left uh, General Motors uh, back in the mid-'80s, uh, I started doing campus ministry at Michigan State University. And then uh, after 11 years, felt God was calling me to, uh, to begin a ministry called Impact Campus Ministries. And uh, I oversaw that for 15 years. We planted campus ministries in lots of places in the world. And then the last uh, 10 years, I've uh, been focused on life coaching, which Jarrett was a part of that for quite a while, uh, writing books. And uh, there are now six that have been published and uh, doing seminars on going deeper with God. And uh, I, I firmly believe that uh, God wants us to pursue him relentlessly in uh, various areas. Uh, you can call them spiritual disciplines, but I, I like to refer to them as spiritual desires, uh, like reading God's word, studying God's word, memorizing uh, fasting, prayer, uh, just listening, and things like that. So God's given me an opportunity to uh, to do these three things, which I really love and enjoy. I know that's where uh, you and I first met. You were doing a, a seminar at a church where I used to be a part of, and um, just hearing your uh, passion for the Word of God, for spiritual disciplines, but also journaling on a regular basis, I think for me was life-changing. Uh, just in those those two days, so I would highly encourage people if, if they see you speaking some more, make sure they grab a seat and uh, hopefully a pen and paper. Uh, but one of the books that you have wrote, and that's what we really want to get into today, because to me, this is uh, an incredible topic to get into because of one spirit. I, I believe God is constantly providing us more opportunities than we're ever aware of. Uh, but I, I don't want to steal what you're going to say. So first of all, uh, this book called God's Divine Appointments, um, bringing glory to him through them. By the way, you can find them on Amazon for just over five bucks. Um, what is a divine appointment? A divine appointment is a person uh, where God has arranged to bring across our path. Uh, for me, many of my divine appointments are waiters or waitresses in restaurants, people sitting next to me on airplanes, or people standing in line with me someplace. Uh, God uh, has the ability and desire uh, to orchestrate our lives to bring people across our paths that we can encourage. And so the divine appointment is the person and the situation is uh, orchestrated by God. So when you talk about 
restaurants and, and, and you fly a lot and you travel a lot and you talk about this person. When did you, let's start in the beginning. When did you realize God is providing me this opportunity to, to connect with them on a, a relational and spiritual level? Well, what really got it started, Jared, was, and I mentioned this in the book, was uh, after I started doing campus ministry at Michigan State, my family and I uh, went down to Battle Creek, Michigan, just south of East Lansing, and uh, attended a hot air balloon festival. And then on the way back home, um, we had a flat tire on the little Toyota Celica that I was driving. And uh, it was driver's side rear, so I got everything out to change the tire, and I discovered I didn't have a lug nut wrench. And so uh, we didn't know what to do. Uh, you can't twist those lug nuts off with your fingers. So uh, plan A was to wait for someone to stop, and no one stopped. Uh, plan B was to take my son, who at that time was eight years old, cute as a button, and I put him behind the car facing coming traffic <laughs> with a sign that said, need lug nut wrench, and no one stopped. So plan C was uh, for my son and I to walk down the expressway to the next overpass, we could see it, and leave my wife Bonnie and Kim in the car. We probably got about a couple hundred feet or so from the car. We turned around and a young man in an Impala, Chevy Impala had pulled right in front of our Toyota. So Ryan and I went running back to the car. He asked, uh, what all do you need? And I said, we need a lug nut wrench. And he said, I have one for my Chevy. I don't know if it'll fit your Toyota. And I said, let's try it. Well, he got it out and it worked. So I'm changing the tire. The young man is standing on my left. Uh, my son's standing on my right. And uh, we finish, give him his lug nut wrench back, and he takes off. And we get in the car, and we're heading towards Lansing up north on I-69. And my son, who's eight, says this, Dad, I'm a little disappointed. And I said, why is that? He said, you never found out if he was a Christian. Mm. And it really struck me that my son at eight would recognize a divine appointment, and I didn't. And so I just purposed from then on, knowing that no one else stopped because God wanted us to pray for this guy, uh, I just purposed that I don't want to miss divine appointments, whether they are emergencies along the road or restaurants or uh, air travel. Uh, God has the desire and ability to put these people in our lives on purpose, and we just need to have our eyes open to the opportunities. Nothing like having your own child convict you spiritually of missed opportunity. That um, before we get into the victories, um, you know, we're certainly talking to men or whomever's listening to this that that have a faith or are working through it on some level. Is there ever a time where you just don't want to do it? Like maybe you're having because I've been around you enough to know, man. You seem always in tune with the spirit. And you're very, very present in the moment. Uh, but is there ever a time where you go, God, I just don't want to do this, or I don't feel it today, or maybe you don't feel good? Um, I, I think that happens probably more often when I'm returning home from a seminar. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, I've invested a lot of time and energy uh, over the weekend. I'm tired. Uh, I just soon sat next to an empty seat. <laughs> and uh, in, in fact, uh, uh, in, within the last 12 months, I was on a plane coming home from uh, such a, a weekend. And when I checked in, I noticed that there was an empty seat beside me. And uh, I thought, great, it's a four hour flight. It was from Philly to Phoenix. And uh, I was just going to be able to relax. Well, I get on the plane and there's a lady sitting right next to me. And um, I thought, okay, here's a divine appointment. I'd just soon be quiet, but I think God wants me to talk to her. So I uh, talked to her, found out what her name was. Uh, we talked for a little bit. I asked for a prayer request. And uh, she asked me to pray for her 16-year-old daughter who was going through some tough times. And then she explained her situation a little bit. Uh, this lady had uh, divorced her husband uh, and was in a relationship, a live-in relationship with a guy, and her daughter was just rebelling. And so as it turned out, uh, I had an opportunity to talk to her about her daughter and uh, how to encourage her. And as we were talking about her whole situation, a flight attendant came along and was picking up uh, some trash on the plane. And both this lady and I looked at her and thought, wow, this flight attendant, uh, female, just really glows. And uh, so she went on towards the back of the plane. And I, uh, I was just prompted by God, you need to go back and talk to her. So I went back to the back of the plane. She was uh, just setting. And I said, uh, I, I have a question for you. And she said, what, what's that? And I said, you just, your face really glows. Uh, are you a Christian? And she said, well, no, I don't practice my faith. And so we talked a little bit about that. And I asked her if there's something in her life I could pray for. And she said, oh, pray for my family and I. Uh, we desperately need prayer at the moment. Went back and uh, sat in my seat, and uh, God prompted me, I want you to give her a card, one of your business cards. So I got up again, walked towards the back of the plane, uh, said, hey, uh, called her by name, said, if you need to contact me, uh, here's my number. And uh, she said, uh, thanks. Uh, would, would you mind if I emailed you today? And I said, no, that would not be a problem. And I went back and sat down and I thought, you know, I just wanted a relaxing <laughs> for four hours. And God put two people in my path who I've continued to pray for because I believe they were very, very special divine appointments. And I, I find, Jared, that when I don't want to do it, uh, I don't need to follow my feelings. I need to follow my obedience and just do it. And typically, typically God has a special divine appointment in those given situations. Man, that's, that, that's good. I love that because our feelings are often misleading. They're very deceptive. If you've ever gone through a buffet, then you know that what you felt was not accurate probably once you sat down and started diving in or if you just felt like, you know, and I think oftentimes we are driven by our feelings and not 
obedience. The, the Bible's pretty clear that if you not only know them, you know, the commands of God or Jesus teachings, et cetera, but if you obey them and actually live them out and what you were anticipating was a four hour nap, what you got was a four hour revival on an airplane, you know, hopefully, you know, impacting. The interesting thing is, I want to say, it's not just impacting their lives. I believe it's impacting your own life, seeing oh. God at work like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think sometimes we wonder if God knows where we are, or uh, we wonder if he's really paying attention. And for me, divine appointments uh, really highlight his compassion for me and his desire to use me in the kingdom, even in ways I might not be aware of. Absolutely. When you think of that, like when you walk back to that lady uh, or, you know, I, I was in a restaurant with you once. I know you asked the, the waiter and he, he took a while to think, how do you know if you're, is there ever a time where you feel like you're forcing the conversation? If you go, man, I, maybe this, have you ever had a, someone ask someone, may I unpack it that way? Have you ever asked someone that you have not got a prayer request from them or felt like, you know what, maybe I just need to not ask for one? Um, I think maybe uh, less than 1% of the time I won't get a prayer request. Wow, uh, I might have to help them uh, <laughs> come up with one, uh, especially as we've talked that uh, if things are going well, uh, maybe I ought to pray that things would continue to go well. Then people get excited about you praying for them. Um, I, I start with the assumption, and this is after 3,000 recorded divine appointments, I I'm I have the the assumption that everyone I meet who's a stranger is a divine appointment. Mm. Uh, I don't stop and try to figure out okay is this a divine appointment or is it not? Uh, I assume that it is, and uh, they're going to have to convince me it's not. But even if they don't have a prayer request, uh, I'm going to end up praying for them for a while. So it, whether they believe it or not, it was a divine appointment because someone's getting prayed for. So I think we have to start with that assumption. Every stranger or everyone we meet is a divine appointment and mm. we just need to act accordingly. And I'm sure you can reiterate this. Oftentimes when I have, well, I'll back up. When I read your book, divine, God's Divine Appointments, I was on a trip with high schoolers to a CIY and we stopped at a rest stop and there was a lady working and I thought, oh, I'm getting a prayer request out of this woman. I just read this book, I am doing this. and. What I found was I didn't just get a, a, you know, 14 word prayer request. I got a story. Like suddenly I'm getting, I, I learned she needed a car, but then I learned that she lost a car. Then I'm learning about, I mean, all of a sudden it's like, she, I'm a complete stranger with a bunch of high schoolers. And I got this woman's heart who was cleaning rest stop bathrooms and probably overlooked the rest of the day. Has that been your case at naturally when you meet these people that you're finding out they begin to reveal so much more about their heart to you when they didn't know have a clue who you were just 45 seconds earlier uh absolutely uh, <laughs> uh that we get we get stories that just seem to never end mm. and i i think what's what's important there is that a lot of people don't have someone to share with that they know uh, they, they might work with a group of people, but this is not a prayer request you share with your coworkers. 
or they might not be attending church or they don't know someone at church and no one has expressed an interest at church uh, that they'd love to pray for them. So when you and I come along and ask for a prayer request, that knocks down several boundaries and typically people are gonna respond positively. Uh, I would guess that 90% of the people I ask a prayer for, a uh, prayer request from, uh, have one and they're willing to share. And yeah, there might be some that we have to help, but people, people love a relationship, even if it's with a stranger who has shown some type of compassion or kindness, and they just want to respond to that. And I think that's typically the divine appointments that God provides for us. Well, not only that, your book, you talk about being in a place and asking maybe a waitress for a prayer request and you get the whole cooking staff before it's over with. How, what, what is that like when people start coming out of the woodwork and going, Hey, I heard you're a guy that's praying for people. Uh, that's happened on airplanes and it's <laughs> happened on restaurants where uh, I ask for a prayer request and they give one and then they come back and say, Hey, my, my buddy uh, who's in the kitchen or my buddy who is uh, also a flight on uh, flight attendant on this flight uh, can they come and uh, and can you will you ask them for a prayer request and I said absolutely bring them and uh, it's amazing how when people feel blessed by uh, asking for a prayer, being asked for a prayer request uh, that they want to include someone else uh, that's mm. happened several times in in my experience I think if I remember correctly, you asked someone and they weren't sure about their prayer request and they might've went back and said, Hey, this guy just asked me for a prayer request. And someone else came back out and said, I got one, you know? And I think as you're saying, you're opening the door to compassion and kindness. It's non-threatening. You're not asking for their email address or their Facebook profile that you're saying, Hey, I just want to pray for you. When you have this list and you meet this flight attendant or the lady sitting next to you, what does that look like for you? Like, do you pray for them every day? Do you pray for them for a year, six months? How does that work? I make a commitment to pray for a month. Uh, I, not frequency, but overall length of time. Mm. And, and so I typically pray through my divine appointment list uh, once a week. And usually for me, it's Thursday. It just seems to work well for me. Uh, it'll bounce around some, but Typically, by Thursday, I've prayed through my divine appointment list. I commit for a month, but I pray for 13 months. So if I have a, prayer, a divine appointment in September, I'll pray through September of next year. Uh, I don't tell them that, um, but I just feel that's what God wants me to do. And you might have a divine appointment. God might convict you of something different. Uh, but that's what where he's led me over... Uh, boy, we've been doing this for 20 some years. That's where he's led me. So in your book, you talk about this and I only remember one instance. So forgive me if there's more, but you travel a lot. You speak at churches and you're, you're all over the place. Um, how often have you ran into that person again, that you see that same person that you asked a prayer request of and you go, I know that's so-and-so. <laughs> Those are fun second divine appointments um but i uh because i'm the one that normally recognizes the person but there has been a couple times where people have recognized me i've asked them for a divine appointment 
and they and they've responded with I sat next to you on an airplane a year ago and you asked me that same question this is what I told <laughs> you then. this is what I'll tell you now but probably one of the best ones that uh, that I recognize uh, I was upgraded on a flight out of uh, Lansing Michigan uh, to Detroit and uh, I was upgraded to 4d there's a gal in 4b or 4c and uh, I asked her for a prayer request. Her name is Julia. And uh, she was on her way to a funeral in Maryland and uh, asked me to pray about the funeral. It was for a friend of hers. And I committed to do that. Six months later, Bonnie and I are traveling on a different airline, uh, going in a different direction. And I, I was upgraded and Bonnie was not. So I offered my seat to Bonnie and she said, no, you're going to talk to people. Uh, I just want to read. I'll go back and coach. So we get on the plane, we're walking down the center aisle and I recognize Julia. She's in 4C again and I'm in 4D again. And so, uh, I get to uh, row four, she gets up, lets me in, I put some things away, and then I turn to her and say, your name is Julia, you live in Hazlitt, Michigan, and she couldn't believe it. She turned to me and said, how do you know that? And I said, we were on the, a plane six months ago, you were going to uh, Maryland uh, for a funeral, I asked you for a prayer request, she asked me to pray for that. She said, oh, you're that pastor from Okemos, aren't you? And I said, uh, yes, I am. And she had another prayer request, and it was a blessed time because uh, I typically will not remember names six months back. Uh, I have them written down. I'd have to look it up. But for whatever reason, God gave me her name and reminded me what uh, the divine employment was. Mm. And uh, Julia was a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, we were sitting in the same seat six months later on a different airline, and we had another conversation. I would be overwhelmed as well. That's a little uh, movie-esque. That's this like, angel guy appears out of nowhere, remembers your life, what you did six months. She might even have forgot about that funeral after six months. Who knows? But it's just a reminder. God is in the details of our life. He is yes. constantly work. I mean, your, your wife could have easily took that seat. And yeah. said, you know what? I'm taking it. And uh, God, God knew what needed to happen. And I just got to believe that that godly thumbprint on her life is still there. She's not, she's going to tell someone else that story. You just, it's, it's too good not to. Right. How, how many people ask you for a prayer request after you, you, how often does that happen? Oh, I would guess maybe 10% of the time. Mm. Uh, and uh, that just makes me smile when people do that because they recognize there's uh, prayer is significant. Uh, I was in a, a Chick-fil-A with a friend of mine <laughs> who uh, I met uh, 18 months ago at an airport in Norfolk, Virginia. He had, uh, we were both flying home. He was with his wife and he had a one mission t-shirt on and I've, done some some things with one mission in the past and so I asked him if in the airport in Norfolk if uh, if he was a Christian if he lived in Phoenix and he said yes and he's on staff at one of the CCV campuses so we've met maybe two times since then and so we decided to get together again 
And so we're eating in a Chick-fil-A and this lady comes up to us and uh, asks us if she can get us anything. We start talking to her, ask her for a prayer request. And she wants us to pray for her daughter who's struggling in her relationship with God. And my friend Kyle uh, is talking to her. Uh, I find out that she attends a church where I coach one of the people on staff. And when we were all finished, she said, what can I be praying for you to? Hmm. And it, it was, it, it, it's just great when that happens. Uh, and I, I've had people even ask me for a prayer request that I'm not sure had a relationship with Jesus. This particular person did. But sometimes uh, it'll just motivate something inside of them that, hey, I've been treated kindly. I want to I return that kindness. And uh, whenever anybody asks for a prayer request, regardless of the situation or regardless of the person, I give them one. Uh, because I don't want to shortchange them on being able to return the favor. Amen. So the key to this is realizing God is not putting accidental relationships in our life. And so I think that the, the first question I would, as we, as, as we start to get the application to what, to divine appointments to the guys that are listening is how can we start seeing people the way that God sees them? Uh, when he's placed them right in front of us? Um, I think uh, it comes uh, it comes with prayer, uh, asking God uh, to help us uh, recognize divine appointments. Uh, one of the things I, I journal every day is the prayer request, God, help me to see things from your perspective, not mine, and help me to respond. That's my number one prayer request each day. And so uh, typically, uh, you and I will just kind of uh, see the person externally, uh, but God can give us some insight. Uh, I remember having a divine appointment one time, and uh, wow, I just didn't think it was much. I asked for a prayer request. He kind of hemmed and hawed, finally gave me something. And I walked away from there, and uh, I remember just mentioning to God, wow, God, that wasn't much of a divine appointment. And God reminded me, you see the outside, I see the inside. That guy needs to have you pray for him. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you. And that was all there is. And so, we, again, we have to go back to that assumption that God's doing this on purpose. Amen. So... We see them. We, we know they're in front of us. I know this lady's checking me in at the hotel. I know they're on my flight. I know they're on, you know, whatever. What about the person, the guy who has that conviction, I need to do this, but they are, they have this, I don't want to use the term private faith. I think that's, that's glossing over this, but that they just, for them to speak up or to, they're more introverted or they're more reserved in, in things like this. What do you tell them when it comes to the courage to actually speak up and, and, and propose this question in front of someone? Um, I think the courage comes from knowing that God does this on purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and as you said, it's not accidental. And, and, and if, if God is doing this, then it's just a matter of obedience. It's not a matter, do I have the courage? Uh, do I have the insight? Uh, 
I think we just start with a conversation. Typically, people are willing to talk about public things. Uh, we can talk to them about where they live. Uh, we can talk about uh, their occupation. And uh, we can talk to them about family. Uh, most conversations start that way. But the question is, during the course of that conversation, can we steer it to something spiritual where we can identify ourselves as someone who likes to pray for people? Do they have something in their life that I could pray for? And if we start with a conversation, and uh, I believe that just builds our courage, they might even mention something that makes it obvious what we ought to be praying for. Um, I, I remember being on a flight one time. I was upgraded to 4B. Uh, there was a guy in 4A, and we were flying into Chicago, and he was just really nervous. He would take, uh, open up a book, close it, uh, pull the magazine out of the seat in front of him, and look at it for a minute. And it took me forever to get a conversation started. Uh, but finally, uh, I just asked the question, and he, his explanation was, uh, my father is dying, I'm flying to Chicago, I'm going to be with him till he passes, and this scares me. Mm. And so I explained to him, uh, I believe that's why God put you next to me on this airplane, I can pray for you and intercede for you in these next few days, God's got this, God's hearing your prayers, and he's brought me alongside of you to pray for you. So uh, God's going to really surprise us often, and we just need to let him do that. If I don't believe that God does this on purpose, I'll probably never have the courage to start a conversation. And then the keys, I think, too, is the takeaway is the understanding of walking in obedience, that I want to be found obedient uh, to Christ, to God's call in my life. I, I, I think I shared this with you, but uh, we did some renovations in our church, I don't know, like a year ago, and we had a semi-truck driver bring chairs to us. And she got out and she wanted me to autograph her Bible, which I thought was weird. I don't want to autograph a Bible, but I found out she does this wherever she goes. She has the pastor sign her Bible. And I, okay, this is, this is different than what I thought it was. Okay, so I signed the Bible. I, I kind of laughed it off and just, you know, scoffed at the idea, whatever, and, and uh, unloaded the chairs. I, just, I had help. I wanted to get them done as quick as I could. She drives away, and I'm telling you, for about three days, the Holy Spirit just wore me out. Like, I, you blew it. You missed an opportunity. And I still had her number. I called her. She was on the road. She thought something was wrong with the chairs. And I cannot believe the story and the prayer request that she shared um, I, I, unlike your first story, I did have a chance to make it right. And I think that's, that's rare. Often we, we need to be obedient in the moment. And I think that obedience in the moment prepares us for that next moment. Would you right. agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when God mo moves supernaturally in a divine appointment, I think uh, the fear just has a, a tendency to melt away and our faith is not in our ability to get a prayer request. Our faith is in God to provide someone who needs prayer. And I think that's a vast difference. It's not up to me. It's up to God. And he's already arranged something. I just need to step into the situation with obedience. Yeah, he cares more about the two of you than, than the two of you do. So he, he yeah. wants to get that right. So let's, let's, let's pretend we're sitting at a, a table and uh, someone walks up. And if someone's listening, you're, okay, well, what does that look like? Because I, I usually tell people you're really natural at this. Oh, it's just easy. It's not forced. It's not. 
but it really isn't, it's not an act. It's not a, you're not reading a script. This is an extension of what Christ is doing in your life. So if a, if a waiter walks up, how do you start that conversation once you realize now's the time I'm going to do this? Um, usually I wait till the food's delivered in a restaurant anyway. Um, and, uh, and then once they're there, they're checking to see if everything's okay. And then I'll typically ask uh, the question starting with a statement. Uh, I'll call them by name and say, uh, hey, we have a practice that we, uh, we try to find something in our waiter's life that we could pray for. Hmm. Is there anything going on in your life or your family's lives uh, that we could pray for? And, and usually uh, that, that might startle them because uh, they typically don't get asked that question. Uh, but I, I encourage them to give it some thought, let us know before we leave the restaurant, and then uh, make sure they share it with us and we'll be happy to pray. I think some people, if they have to come up with a prayer request and the spur of the moment, uh, mm -hmm. it's not going to go very far. And so I try to give them time uh, to give it some thought. And you know, Jared, I, I, I can't think of a time and experience where we've given someone time to think of a prayer request where they didn't eventually come up with one. Uh, but we, we, we need to allow God to work on their heart. Uh, obviously we're going to be a surprise to them. Um, but if, if we reckon, if we help them see that this is a common practice uh, that we're led by God to do, uh, I think it takes away some of <clears throat> Uh, some of the timidity on their part, and uh, they might even recognize that God's brought us along to their section in the restaurant on purpose. And timidity is a great point because often we are more intimidated by people than we will admit, at least approaching something like that. And it's certainly if the person is of any kind of stature, and I'm talking about position or authority or influence or uh, even celebrity. I know, I don't know how many, but I know you ran into one on an airplane that you got a prayer request from a, a, a comedian. Um, you, can you share that story real quick? Sure. Um, I was flying out of Lansing and uh, just waiting at the gate, getting ready to uh, board. And uh, Sinbad walks up and apparently he was somewhere in the Lansing area, mid-Michigan area, performing the night before. And uh, so uh, we, I walked up to him and said, hey, I, I just want you to know uh, I appreciate uh, your comedy. Um, his dad is a minister. He grew up in St. Joseph, Michigan. I knew that ahead of time. And uh, so if, if he's going to react to someone asking him for a prayer request, that's, uh, <laughs> that's probably not going to happen with his dad. Uh, being a pastor and him growing up in a church and uh so he had a prayer request for his daughter and um and so uh he he shared it freely uh we got on the plane he was sitting across the aisle from me and i just saw what it's like for to to be recognized by the general public people would get on the plane uh they'd stop shake his hand say sinbad it's good to see you and uh you don't get any rest. You don't get left alone. 
And uh, so when uh, we landed and we're getting our luggage out of the uh, upper cabinets, uh, he says, uh, hey, that was really good. It was good to meet you today. Thank you for praying for my daughter. And um, uh, this has been a blessing to me. And uh, I told him I'd pray for him for a month. I prayed for him for a year, but uh, it, it doesn't matter who they are. It, it just matters that we recognize them as a divine appointment. I, I remember sitting on a plane one time and I was in 3C and Hank Aaron came along and sat in 2C. He was one in front of me and uh, I recognized him right away and I just thought, um, hey, whatever happens, I'm gonna get a prayer request from Hank Aaron <laughs> before we get off this plane. And so uh, the seatbelt light went off after we landed. I got up, I got right behind him, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, uh, Mr. Aaron, I'm impressed with your baseball ability, and uh, uh, one of the things I like to do, I like to pray for people. Uh, is there something in your life I could pray for you today? And he turned around and said, what do you say? So <laughs> I repeated the whole thing. And uh, he said, well, I, I don't know if I can think of anything. And I said, well, I'll just pray generically then. Thank you. And it was about a month later, I was in uh, Wisconsin at a church doing a seminar. And I shared that story about Hank Aaron. A guy came up to me at the break and said, I work with Hank Aaron's brother. And as sure as the world, Hank has something in his life you need to pray about. I can't tell you what it is but you need to pray for him. And so God just has a way of uh, connecting circles, yeah. which uh, I don't know how he does that, but he orchestrates life. And so there, there's just an opportunity that it provides once in a while that he won't give us all the details. Um, and it doesn't matter how popular the person is, they still have a prayer request. Uh, I, I don't know of anyone that doesn't, even though they might not admit it. Uh, we just need to have the courage to speak to someone who's more popular than we are. So, Man, I just think about the guys that are listening to this conversation that the sphere of influence, there, there's men all over the world that listen to this. If we would start to be more intentional with um, walking in obedience, but also praying for that courage, to, prayer to recognize divine appointments and see things from God's perspective and respond. I just think God can start revival in the hearts and homes of people, whether it's an address at a time or a community at a time or a whole plane, you know, it just depends. I mean, that's, that's, those are powerful opportunities. I know for me, um, I've heard you share on this and, and, and was very encouraged by it. But for me, the book itself was just story after story after story of you're like, Oh my word, this, this is, we're surrounded by people all the time. So if, if someone's listening and wants to check out this book, where do you, where do you send them? Uh, they can go to Amazon. It's God's Divine Appointments. Uh, my name as the author, Dean Troon, or you can contact me at Dean uh, at dtroon uh, at gmail uh, dot com, and uh, I'll I'll send you a copy of the book. They're ten bucks. I think Amazon's about nine ninety nine or whatever. It changes. It goes up and down. Um, if if you want a hard copy, uh, they also have it in Kindle form. Um, but uh, what was interesting, it was the easiest book I ever wrote because I just gave the first couple chapters as an introduction. Then I gave, at that time, I had 2,000 divine appointments. 
that were recorded and I just took the best 55 and wrote a story about it. Uh, but uh, I think from the book, you get the impression that this happens often and it does. Mm -hmm. it, it, it just, God, God is relentless in bringing people across our path who need prayer. Like I said, reading that book and getting off that, you know, and I, I've checked into hotels now, just different places where you're looking at someone going, okay, there, this is an opportunity. And, and I'd like to say, um, man, just being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, as you, I think one of your things that you say all the time is the most important thing I need to do today is spend time with God. And, and if we're doing that on a regular basis, God is going to convict us of the opportunities that he's placed in front of us, not to necessarily win people all the time, but just to influence them for Jesus, to give them something to think about. Um, yeah, what a, what a powerful story. Dean, I want to thank you for making time, getting up early in Arizona time and having this conversation. And uh, thank you for the investment you've made in my life, but also um, just bringing this to light for men to, to talk about. Great. Thanks for the opportunity.